Hello and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 2 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. Uh, we're recording on Thursday the 6th of October 2011 for a release on Sunday the 9th of October. This week, to mark the HD re-release of the game on PlayStation Network and Xbox's Games On Demand, we're looking over each other's shoulders at Resident Evil, also known as Biohazard 4, its progenitors and regenerators, as well as taking a look at the game's extended development and considering which direction the franchise might head next. NB... There will be spoilers. With me this week, uh, I have once again Darren Foreman. Good evening, and gentlemen. I have again uh, Jason Taylor. How do? And introducing a uh, new voice to Kane Rinse is uh, Mr. Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Hello. Um, before we crack on, Jay, um, and I believe you wanted to give a shout out to uh, Character Select Network head honcho Dan Benden. I did, yeah. I meant to do it last week, but just was uh, just got distracted as you do when we start recording. Um, without Dan's help, there wouldn't be a well, there would be a podcast, but it'd be sitting on my computer, not on iTunes. So um, I want to thank Dan for giving us the uh, the guiding hand through all the. Uh, RSS feed slash iTunes bollocks that goes along with podcasting. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's something I'm going to need to learn for myself one day. But all the time I've got you, Jay, I just don't have to. And you are completely invaluable. So then, Resident Evil 4, I've got to admit, I've actually felt a little bit intimidated doing this podcast because this really is a game with, you know, with no disrespect to God of War or, or any of the other games I've ever covered on podcasts. This really is a bit of a sacred cow. And uh, it's, you know, was for a long time considered one of the best games in the action genre and, and for some people still is. So we'll, we'll see how it still measures up. Um, I would say the first place to start is to talk about its uh, protracted and some say sort of painful development. Um, it, Capcom, is it Production Studio 4, I think, um, started work on it in 2001, which is uh, just a year or so after uh, Code Veronica came out for the Dreamcast. Um, there'd only been a year or two's gap between each installment in, of the series up to this point. But uh, I think the very first version they attempted was the game which morphed into Devil May Cry. Is that correct? All I really know is at some point during the development, I think the head honchos at Capcom were like, this bears no resemblance to anything we've done with this series before. And so they did just decided to make a new franchise out of what they had. And if you look at the game, there's actually a lot of um, relics from um, it being a Resident Evil game. I mean, Dante... Uh, was going to be Leon S. Kennedy, I believe. His yeah. design and hair and everything looks the same. And um, it, it, it's interesting how that all came about. Darren, do you, uh, do you remember anything about this uh, back in the day? The, the, the split where um, obviously magazines, as it was then, and probably um, nascent websites uh, were talking about the development of a new Resident Evil. Uh, now, I remember reading articles, um, and yes, uh, I, I believe it's true, Dante's white hair possibly came because he started as the blonde Leon S. Kennedy. Um, do you know any more about this story than that? I know, you know, details are, are scant, hard to come by, but... Well, I mean, you can see that they've both got amazingly floppy haircuts. That's that's the insight we were looking for. Absolutely. But no, I mean, there are still similarities between Devil May Cry and Resident Evil. You know, the whole going around picking up items to access other parts of the game world. That's a clear Resident Evil standover. Absolutely, yeah. And the thing is, 
Well, it's a good thing that it's split, to be honest, because it allowed... When the path branched out, it led into two very good games. The Devil May Cry Indeed. series is venerated in action game in uh, the action game camp, and uh, Resident Evil. Although some people were unhappy with the direction Resident Evil Four took, mm. uh, saying that it was no longer survival horror, um, pretty much the gamble worked out well for Capcom because it is still considered one of the best games ever made. Yes, indeed. So it was uh, Shinji Mikami was head of the early Resident Evil games and indeed uh, did go on to make um, or produce and direct four. Um, but it was uh, Hideki Kamiya, wasn't it, who mm. um, uh, it, basically Mikami asked him to attempt uh, a, a Resident Evil game um, and that game just didn't, you know, it turned out this very, you know, um, fast-paced stylized action game and so went off in its own direction um devil may cry is a, a game we may well revisit in the future at least one of the series if not if not the whole franchise um so that happened um so they still needed a resident evil 4 um so they started work on what has now become colloquially known as fog version uh and you can view a trailer for this if you search it on youtube um who knows anything about fog version other than what's in the trailer, or just what's in the trailer is fine. Um, I can't remember anything at all about I mean, I didn't see any trailers at the time of this. I do remember seeing um, very early screenshots, I think it would have been Edge, um, of showing the inside, inside of what I believe to be the airship with all the steel, mm. the steel beams and stuff. But that, that was it. And I mean, funnily enough, by the time the game actually came out, I couldn't remember any of that stuff. You know, I was totally thrown by what was the final product anyway. So it was just. Um, so we also had um, at this point, uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly the order the um, the development was happening. Now, I know that um, Resident Evil Zero started life as an N64 game. Hmm. Um, they must have started developing that pretty much as soon as Resident Evil 2 was finished, I guess in 98 or 99 but it ended up coming out in 2002 um but there was still a three-year gap between zero coming out and four uh so they were kind of pretty much bouncing all over the place Mm. and we're also seeing various sort of guide ends and side stories and spin-offs at this point um fog version as i say all we've got to go on really is a is a is a trailer um which talks about the progenitor virus which was um Covered in both the Resident Evil remake and Resident Evil Zero. Um, But the game, apparently, that they got further along with um, to almost halfway, some say, is the what's known as the Hooked Man version. Now, you can actually uh, watch gameplay of this. So anyone got any um, reflections on the the Hooked Man version? Would it have been would it have been cool if they'd finished it? The thing is, I mean, although they did kill development on it. If you look at the gameplay trails, it still looks like a very interesting, very accomplished game in the old style of gameplay. Yeah, so it's got um, it's 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 like a hybrid of Code Veronica. So you've got um, non, although you haven't got fixed camera angles in the sense that it's the the, the environment's built out of polygons, so the camera can track around. Um, you have also got set camera angles. You've got the traditional. Sometimes you'll come into a room and and you'll be walking on from the right hand side of the screen. And the orientation is such, but then it's also got the aiming, uh, the over-the-shoulder aiming that we would see in Resident Evil Four. Um, Setting-wise, 
it's very much uh, it's a haunted mansion game. You know, it's it's kind of even it it looks somewhere. It's got obviously big elements of Resident Evil, but it's also got uh, looks like influence from uh, the Fatal Frame or Project Zero series, and um, particularly Silent Hill. You've got uh, creepy little baby dolls and uh, lots of um, sort of classic uh, horror movie scares like doors bursting open and lightning flashes and all this kind of thing. And the hooked man. And the hooked man, which is why it's called the hooked man version. So have w- He's a man with a hook. He's a man with a hook who starts off as a kind of apparition, uh, like a poltergeist. Um, and after a certain amount of time or shooting or, or what, um, he becomes fleshy and then Leon can actually uh, take him out. So how the heckins would this have fitted into the Resident Evil mythos? I was going to say, I don't think it does. And I think that this, um, this game sort of, it feels like they're trying to become or take what I would think of flavor of the month game. So like Silent Hill had come out, say the year before this, this video had been released or so. And it just feels like they were trying to cash in on, on, on this new kind of survival horror aspect and totally kind of throwing away all the previous games, which I'm I'm kind of glad it, it, it didn't, wasn't released as a resident evil. I'm I'm just really glad that these early versions of, of Resi Four never never saw the light of day. To be honest, because they just seem um, kind of crap <laughs> within within what we'd come to expect from Resident Evils. So they got as we as we believe we know, like up to forty percent or more mm. towards completing this, and then and then at, at that stage, after presumably spending a fair amount of money, scrapped it. Uh, apparently due to it being too paranormal, um, too, mu- too much about ghosts and hauntings and, and things like that to actually fit in with the mythos. But then what we ended up with uh, was a game that uh, doesn't have a whole lot to do with what's gone before anyway in terms of story. Yeah, but at least the supernatural weren't being pulled in from nowhere. Yeah. I mean, even even though the, the incidental storyline, Unique to 4, is different, there are hooks to the previous games. It especially comes together in the end because it, it's a clear mention that Wesker is involved. Yes. Ada is still working for Umbrella. Now, uh, the thing is with all, all this, like we just briefly touched upon before, as we were talking earlier, is, is the story is, is secondary to everything about these games. I mean, in many ways, I'm su- for me, be, being the way I am and, and I love good stories, it's amazing that I actually love the, the Resident Evil games in, because the stories are you know they're ridiculous to the point of utter stupidity at times like they are just so outrageous in, in some of the plot twists I and think devices. that's actually a strength in this case because the dialogue seems to accept the fact that it's a really cheesy premise mm. and it seems to glory and giving you this really B-movie script yeah. with a lot of really basically almost juvenile jokes I mean, not juvenile and the whole body parts kind of thing. Mm. Ballistics. But they're just, they're really silly, you know? Exactly, ballistics. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, there's a fantastic line that Leon gives earlier on in the game. Where one of his, a policeman that's been sent along with him has just been murdered. And Leon's reaction is, Hunnigan, I have some bad news. <laughs> I've discovered the body of an officer. And it's just... It, it's almost clear they're not taking it entirely seriously. Uh, do you think they're that's deliberate, though? Do you, do you actually think that's deliberate or just down to the way that it's 
it's most like you know the uh, it's written by a I Japanese. like to think that it's deliberate i mean if if they're doing that as some kind of uh grasping for an oscar style storyline no um, i often feel that it's down to the fact that the person writing the initial script isn't english and so the kind of subtleties of that kind of oh, you know they they're at in almost of a matter of fact kind of way and and so it doesn't it ends up sounding completely surreal at times just because of the way they're delivering That's the lines. That's the thing, I mean, there's a section where um, little Napoleon guy says, I'm going to send my right hand off to, after Salazar. you. Salazar. Mm. Yeah. I, I like to call him Napoleon. He looks like a little... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's like, I'm going to send my right hand off after you. Yeah. And Leon's response is, your right hand comes off. That's <laughs> and there's no way they could be using that... <laughs> And trying a, to get a, se- a serious emotional that, response out of it. That's a great gag. It says he's really, it's, he's totally zinged Salazar there. He didn't know what to come back with <laughs> other than send the, uh, actually, I mean, that's one of uh, Salazar's right hand to jump right ahead is actually one of the more kind of um, sort of imposing scary monsters in the game, I think. So it's, uh, it's genuinely quite creepy. But um, I think he's got a name of his own, but I can't remember. Um, but yes, getting back to the, the, the plot such as it is, it's interesting, isn't it, in that, uh, I recently um, downloaded uh, the original Resident Evil, uh, the director's cut, PS1 on, uh, mm-hmm. on PSN, and uh, watching that infamous FMV intro, Barry Burton, and uh, and and all. And tell me, Leon, was that the uncut version, or was no, it? No, um... they, they famously uh, they fucked up when when they were going to release uh, the director's cut in Europe, in the UK. Uh, they were going to re- re-release. Uh, what the Japanese had, which was with the uh, with the opening cutscenes in color and uh, seeing more of the zombie head, uh, zombie biting off the head, and all that kind of thing. But apparently there was a, a, a miscommunication, and so we ended up. Although we ended up with the director's cut of the game, which in, in incorporated some new surprises and new camera angles and things, um, we ended up with the exact same censored intro as the original. However, it does still have the FMV uh, Wesker Burton Redfield and uh, Valentine. Um, which is still hilarious, and it does obviously still have you're almost a Jill sandwich. And uh, I hope this I is. I think not... they were trying to be serious at that point. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I remember uh, when Resident Evil 2 came out and Edge magazine reviewed it, and they said, you know, they've come a long way. This was two years later, and we were still in PS1 era. And they were saying, you know, it's not exactly Shakespeare, but but they've made a lot of effort to make two a lot less kind of obviously cheesy, although I have incredibly fond memories of. Uh, uh, Leon finding the uh, the surviving officer in in Raccoon Police Department and him saying, "It looks like your party has been cancelled." I'll tell you something. Just branching off that, um, I remember the original voice actor of Resident Evil. Um, I think it was Chris Redfield. Mm-hmm. He was actually mentioning that he was trying to while he was doing the acting, he was actually trying to give a natural performance. Yeah, but it was under Japanese um, direction. Yes. And they wanted it really slowed down, really basic kind of sounding. Yeah, because they, because all the in, in even in all the Japanese releases, the uh, the speech is all in English, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, and it has so like for the first one, I mean, they didn't expect it to be quite as poorly received. Um, as like having this really horrendous voice acting as uh, it eventually came out as, you know. Yeah, there's a lot in in games generally. There's a lot greater understanding these days of uh, of localization and 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 things going back a few years now where. You know, you see like something like um, Shadows of the Damned. There's, there's uh, the performances and jokes in there are, are clearly been run past uh, 
a few Western people to to uh, to gauge the sort of the way they come across. And there's some some actual wordplay and things which which you you know beyond yeah. Ballistics. I'm pretty sure that uh, Shadows of the Damned had a really strong uh, inter- international communication between English and Japanese speaking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, of the game. Which you see more and more, even even in um, like first party Nintendo games, they make a huge effort with their text. Uh, with you know, with even in the Paper Mario series and the Mario and Luigi series, the the translations and those are absolutely superb. Um, Localizations with with a lot of wit carried over, whereas obviously those of us who have been gaming for a long time remember the sort of brutally translated Final Fantasy games, early Final Fantasy games, and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to Resident Evil, though, so. Uh, I think what we what we're establishing is that, that based on those aborted um, versions of the game, that Capcom pretty much uh, make the game first and then shoehorn the mythos in after. And uh, and for them, the game comes first um, to the point that there are some hugely unrealistic elements to Resident Evil Four, um, such as the uh, legendary shopkeeper, who is uh, uh, Josh. You you fan of this character? Um. I just find him extremely delightful. I mean, <laughs> he's he comes at comes out of nowhere. I mean, you're in a dangerous situation. Everybody's out to kill you, and then this friendly Cockney chap comes up and says, "All right, mate, come come here." I've Is got he Cockney? Some... I, I sense an element of uh, West Country as a "What are you buying?" You know, there's a bit of that. What thing. are you selling? Well. <laughs> he's a, he's... I don't think the accent is particularly clear. I just say Cockney. <laughs> anyway. He's he's clearly a friendly chap, and he's offering you all these weapons and bullets and all sorts of stuff all the way through the game. And I I just think having him there instead of just what Resident Evil Five did, which was basically like I'm going on Amazon to buy some guns. <laughs> I think it was it was nice to have like a friendly face that you knew. Ah, oh, yes, he's there. I can yeah. upgrade. I can. Get badass! Uh, I can get some cool equipment and stuff. I honestly don't know whether this is a plus or a minus in 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 regards to the games themselves, but they just throw these odd aspects to it. Whereas the shopkeeper, I, f- I feel, is a positive. I mean, he was something or someone that I I I wanted to see come back in five. I just for some reason it would have. You know, I kind of expected him to be tucked away in a corner somewhere with uh, like Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian shirt, you know. Like, <laughs> but, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's that's true. I think they definitely did. It definitely did lose a little bit of charm by by yeah. distilling that down to a just a, a fairly plain menu screen, as as Josh says, like buying on Amazon mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, Resident Evil Five seemed to lose a lot of charm. You know, it seemed to take itself far too seriously in comparison. Mm. Which meant that the script was in- entirely devoid of humour. Okay, we'll come on to uh, we'll talk a little bit about five when we talk about the future of the franchise. But um, sticking to the the story of four for now, if we've got much more to say about it, other than so you are Leon S. Kennedy. He he spent one day as a cop um, in back in Raccoon City a few years previous. Um, he is now a government agent. Don't know how he got that gig. Um, the President's daughter, uh, does it actually ever say US, but it, she is American, so US mm. President's daughter. Ashley, uh, who is um, a kind of uh, slightly sexualized, but also goofy looking sort of jailbait kind of character, a little bit creepy, um, because I think she's meant to be about 17 or 19, but she comes across like she's about 14. Um, you can look up her skirt and she calls you a pervert. 
Uh, yeah. Not that I ever did that. Well, it's hard to avoid. Um, <laughs> Learn, you pervert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was actually going to say that um, when we when we talk about you know whether whether the game is actually frightening or tense or scary in any way, and and I think uh, it does. I I find the bits where um, Ashley is in a separate place and you can't actually command her so the bit there's a bit where you're on a balcony and she's down below and she has to get through a door while uh she's being attacked by i think it's the monks at that point in in salazar's castle mm. and uh also there's the bit in the enormous uh ornate room where she has to climb up you have to boost her up onto uh, a walkway and she has to go and pull some switches um i think the fact that she's both helpless and calling my name makes those sections more affecting to me because she is going Leon Leon so it is a bit like shit uh it does you know it's just one of those happy coincidences for me that uh, that that it's you know it's very it's rare for a, a game character to have my name uh where were we so yes uh we we we've been sent in on a one man mission um it's kind of absur- as absurd as it is in something like Deus Ex Human Revolution in that you're not really um you don't well you, you certainly don't have any stealth options available to you uh in in resi you're pretty much just uh ramboing your way through this environment and yet for a long period the 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 president's daughter is always one step out of reach and then once you do get her she's kind of taken away from you again um why don't they just you know uh, it's it's just kind of stupid isn't it the whole thing oh. the whole premise what, that they would send in one guy to save the president's daughter as opposed to an entire squad of highly trained operatives. Yeah, I was thinking that, like, you know, when, when, when the US uh, Navy SEALs uh, took out, assassinated uh, Osama bin Laden um, earlier this year, I think it was. Um, yeah, so they send in a crack team of highly trained, highly armed people um, rather than one guy who can't run and shoot at the same time. Maybe the president found his daughter just as annoying as I did and just uh, <laughs> sent Leon on his way just so he could make the press happy or something like that. Well, perhaps he found them both annoying and he was uh, he, he knew kind of how dangerous this, this uh, environment was going to be. Uh, he was hopeful that Leon would get injected with, with, the, uh, with the virus and um, converted to the uh, cult of the Illuminados. Um, Another thing that I, I thought was interesting about the setting, and um, we'll talk about the graphics in a minute, of course. Uh, now, there was obviously, we're not going to talk about this today because it's a big subject and it's been done to death, but there was some controversy about the depiction of uh, some of the African people in uh, Resident Evil 5 um, and whether it was a bit retrograde, whether it was a bit xenophobic or, or even racist. Um, but the feeling that you get in Resident Evil 4 is that... Uh, in fact, you are being ganged up on by racists. Um, it's uh, you are constantly being called asshole outsider, and and I think that does a really good job. As soon as you enter, you you really do feel like you're entering their world more than in any other game. And it, I think that early scene where you where you look at the village from outside through your binoculars and see them kind of going about their daily business, you kind of think maybe I should just leave them to it. No. Shoot them. <laughs> Shoot them right in the face. <laughs> okay, so uh, anyone got anything else to say about the, the plot, the story? Do we want to go all the way to the end and what happens? Or is it, is it suffice to say that basically you have to res- rescue the president's daughter and um, kill a lot of increasingly scary monsters on the way? I think that's fair to say. But... Is it just possible that 
uh, Capcom sensed that even back 10 years ago, people were starting to get bored of zombies. And and from a gameplay perspective, that the Ganados are more interesting to fight than yet another game full of um, sort of shambling arms forward, uh, mindless zombies. You know, the Ganados, although they are uh, possessed in some way, chemically, um, and perhaps spiritually, intellectually, um, they do, it's the first time you feel like you're fighting an enemy with some kind of intelligence and humanity. With, it just, again, going back to say that they, they, they seem to be looking at other games like Silent Hill in their early development, you know, Danny Boyle's sort of 28 weeks later, 28, yeah, 28 weeks later, on 28 days later, isn't it? The first one, um, so they're out. fast. They're fast uh, infected. Famously, you know, they're not zombies. But um, yeah, it's the not zombies thing that I think maybe they took note of that and decided to sort of change it up a bit. But I don't. Twenty eight days later uh, is uh, still just uh, you know regular people, albeit furious, rabid, hmm. incredibly feral, dangerous ones. Whereas the Ganados uh, use tools and weapons. Um, and some of them, when you shoot their human head off, and this is a great sort of gameplay idea, which is that, you mm. know, throughout game, the history of games and pre- previous, all previous resident evil games, if you shoot something's head off, if you, if you nail a headshot, you're doing yourself a massive favor. Whereas in resident evil four, I think this was the first time that you might be doing yourself a terrible, uh, disservice by in fact unleashing the uh, the inner monster um which is of course the big whipping uh bug-eyed head which is far more dangerous than just a guy with a pitchfork um you know what it reminds me of um when i think of the ganados i i think about the thing um hmm. and that idea of an intelligent and methodical monster who has a plan possessing somebody and taking over their body and taking a human form and being organized and being able to um, put the humans in a situation where, where they're um, uh, try, constantly trying to um, battle against this intelligent monster. Um, that's what it, I think of anyway. Mm. And they have a, well, they- the, the Ganados have been infected by parasites. I mean, they're being controlled by Lord Sadler through these parasites. That's right. That have just stated inside them grown to maturity and then basically just taken over yeah so um, and and you know so the the illuminados is the whole cult i think that's right isn't it and, and mm. but they, they have a yeah. definite hierarchy um you have the village chief and then you have salazar and then you have sadler and below that you you, you have all the ganados um is there actually uh forgive me again if i've if i've missed this in through my umpteen playthroughs of the game is there any actual sort of uh biological justification for the existence of the larger monsters in the game, the lake monster, uh, El Gigante, etc. Um, although obviously they, they are also, um, well, I don't know about the lake monster. Certainly El Gigante has the, uh, the infection. I can, I can almost guarantee that there is within the files in the game. Um, it depends how thoroughly you read into those, you know, I can guarantee that there'll be some justification for, uh, the larger monsters. I probably have um, read those, but... Um, yeah, I don't think it was ever really kind of touched upon in the cutscenes because it would probably have uh, thrown off the pacing a little bit. Yeah, and the pacing of the game is magnificent, I think, which is, is one of its, its yeah. great strengths. Yeah, I'd, I'd assume that it's just a mutation of the parasite inside them, you know? Hmm. Maybe they've got certain genes that allows them to develop in different, in different, uh, in different ways. What, so you think, like, 
El Gigante, for instance, was just a dude originally, or yeah, I'd assume he was just a normal guy. And wow. For well, whatever reason, you actually see that's... that, don't you? You actually see um, the sort of transformation take place in in five when um, I forget the character's name, but the guy on the boat injects himself with the parasite and then becomes this bloody huge sea oh, monster. God, yeah. You know, yeah. So it's like now you just assume that maybe it's they're all kind of. They're all just vari- variants on the same sort of mutation or whatever. Or yeah, and I mean, in Resident Evil Five, there was also that scene where one of the, I suppose it would be a villager, gets one of the, yeah. the parasites shoved down his throat. Yes, mm. and he's kind of like ratcheting, and then turns within a matter of moments. Yes, indeed. Whereas Leon, of course, gets injected uh, quite early on in the game, and uh, and manages to fight it off. For I can't remember what point. Uh, it's about the last quarter, isn't it, that he gets it removed in on that uh, on that there machine? Yeah, yeah. Then you've got the laser mouth. Yeah, I guess that's the power of the flock of seagulls hairdo, isn't it? Absolutely, it was the hairdo's. <laughs> yeah, the f- his floppy hair basically retarded the progress of it so that it couldn't take him over completely. <laughs> now that's. I think it would have been fine even without the machine. That's science. Right, so I've got to stop speaking about this hair, this haircut, man. It's okay. I I can understand. It's it's a nice haircut. I've still got. It really is. You know, I've got no idea what he uses, but I would love to find out. Hey, it was all right in the say nineteen ninety two, perhaps, sort of bopping away a Happy Mondays constant, but there's no fucking way it works now. Right, let's talk a bit about the graphics now. Um, both at the time and now. Uh, who who here uh, played the game back in two thousand and five on the GameCube on initial release? Me. 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 Everybody. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, now I, th- I think uh, I'm, I'm playing it now currently on, on Xbox 360 with uh, up-res textures. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a, a, a comprehensive um, remake, but it is, uh, it, is a, it is what it is. It's a re-release. It works. It functions. Um, it's still the same game. Um, I still think it looks quite nice, but I think at the time, um, it was pretty exceptional graphically, um, both in terms of, you know, the actual, the art and also the, how much stuff the engine was moving about on, on, on the little GameCube. Yeah. And I mean, on top of that, um, and the remix, when they've been like clear, cleaning up the textures and all the rest of it, I think they removed a lot of the fog that gave the game such a fantastic atmosphere on the GameCube. Mm, okay. I mean, I don't know if it was put in there for, uh, purely for technical limitations or not. But it did add a lot to the game's atmosphere. Now, I can't... It's difficult for me to remember. Um, now, I played the GameCube version up to a point, but um, the point that I really, really got into uh, for was the Wii version, which was uh, a, a slightly tweaked port of the GameCube. Now, I don't remember it being any more or less foggy um, than the Cube version, but um, they had... Uh, they had sort of uh, done a slightly botched widescreen on it, which uh, just about worked. Um, it slightly changed the the field of vision, I believe, but but it basically meant that it filled your screen, and also you could play it in 480p, um, which made it look slightly smoother than than through SCART or whatever on the GameCube. Uh, but it remained looking awesome, and and I and I think I think by and large the graphics do stand up pretty well. Um, I think it's just a really tasteful use of lighting that I loved about Resident Evil 4. Mm. Um, graphically, it's fantastic, but if you don't use the resources you have in 
the right way, then it can just be a tech demo. But Resident Evil 4 knew how to light a scene, um, how to show you the environment around you and how, uh, how to color the world around you. It was just really beautiful use of art as well as graphics. I think the remarkable thing about it is, uh, I mean, this is more of a gameplay thing, but um, it is also to do with, with the graphics. Is it's, it's a big, long game, and the this is something I remember even from playing Resident Evil 1, where you, you go from that mansion and you think, oh, well, this game is a haunted mansion game, and then you find yourself in a, in a vast science, a high-tech science lab. In Resident Evil 4, you go through a, a huge number of quite varied environments. I mean, you know, there's a lot of rock. There's There's... There's, there are certain you know, themes which which pervade, but um, remembering like sort of how the island at the end looks uh, compared to say the uh, the mine earlier on, and 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 it's uh, it's night and day, and indeed there is night and day. Literally, the the sort of slightly creepy, queasy atmosphere when you first turn up uh, is replaced by you know full on horror movie uh, dread when when the when the lightning and the rain kicks in when you when you return back to the village after um picking up ashley from the church yeah i mean the other thing is there is one overriding theme throughout all these environments which is that everything is de- looks decayed and grubby yes dirty yeah there's, there's never anything that really looks even the laboratories at the end they look as though they've fallen out of use and, and they're really really quite dingy environments but they still look beautiful each and every one of them yeah, I think it's uh, it is it's that very it's that very sort of tangible atmosphere. It feels like you can touch it. You actually feel like um, when you go to that that lake, you feel cold and damp. You know, you, your brain is interpreting yeah. what the artists have done and the technical people. Yeah, there's basically there's a realistic roughness to it that not a lot of games get right. You know, yes, it gives it gives it that really lived in kind of feeling. Definitely, yeah. I think that well, that, I think that that's something that's been throughout a lot of the Resident Evil games. You know, just I, I love the sense of progression because you, you like you said, with the first, well, with several of the games, you know, you start off in the streets, in the normal sort of, or in a house, a mansion, and then you, you know, by the end of the game, you've gone through this, um, this sort of maze of, of of labs and corridors and stuff. And I love the way that it just you, you do feel like you're progressing through this sort of this world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they say they've they've always even with the even with one, two, and three, with their sort of static background um, and fixed cameras and stuff, they still got this really good sense of place within the, the sort of the design and the the sort of the artwork and and all that kind of stuff. It's always I, I, maybe it's one of the things that has always kept me playing the Resident Evil games. Is I just love where it take where they take you, you know, as you're playing. Yeah, I think and and it's, you know I remember playing Resident Evils one and two. At the time on on PS One and uh, and thinking the graphics were excellent and and you play them now and uh, and they don't really sell the environments to you in the same way. But um, whereas the uh, the GameCube remake of Resident Evil One uh, still looks pretty damn mm. good, um, yeah. And it would certainly be obviously uh, a far bigger budget exercise than just uh, upresing some textures and and putting them out there. But I would still love to see a full on full blown HD remakes of the first three games in the series in in uh, and uh, and zero in in the style of that but obviously with using up-to-date tech the the current gen you know um rather than the previous uh, i think those could still be absolutely beautiful but 
that would uh, that would bring about the issues of the controls, which obviously we'll mm. we'll talk about in a bit. So uh, we're basically agreed that it looks awesome. So uh, the sound uh, here we go. This is our first uh, skyped in audio message from a listener uh, over to Tom Bradstock. Hey guys, Tom Fum here. Uh, just wanted to leave you a message regarding Resident Evil 4. Um, I have to say it's one of the games, uh, audio-wise, that really stood out for me as the music is really sort of atmospheric. I uh, just wondered if you guys got the same feeling from it. I know the scene after you first return to the village of Ashley and it's night time, uh, sort of, I think it's raining, but I can't remember totally. Um, but the music in that area is when you're taking out the guys and they've got the bear traps on the floor just really stood out for me. Um, it's just a very sort of scary, intense moment because obviously it's the first time you're taking Ashley around with you. Um, so, yeah, um, let me know what you think of the audio in the game. And um, cheers. Laters. So Tom there, obviously uh, a big fan of the score, the music, the sound, use of sound in the game. Uh, I have to say that the safer music in all Resident Evil games is, is some of my favourite game music, but I think the safer music in Resident Evil 4 is a, is a masterpiece. It manages to be both incredibly comforting and incredibly unsettling at the same time, which how the hell do you do that? How do you hell, how the hell do you write a piece of music which which is which is both things at the same time? Um, it's got there's a, there's quite a lot of generic action music uh, as as uh, as these games normally have, but uh, there's a lot of atmosphere pieces as well. Yeah, I mean to be honest, there isn't really much of Resident Evil 4's music music that stands out to me. The sound effects were fantastic. Yeah, mm. the music was. It's not so much that it was great music, although it, in a way it was, but it was really, it, it fit what was happening on screen every single time. It never felt like it was out of place, and it always complemented the on-screen action. Yeah. The, um, the sort of general, there are uh, baddies in the area noise, um, it's not quite as sort of uh, completely um, bizarre and unsettling as, as the Silent Hill uh, scores, but it has that effect. It's not Obviously, melodic music, so much as it is uh, percussion and noise, and and it's designed to uh, up the tension, and and uh, and, and I think it, it does that. I still, even though the game isn't like scary, scary, and it's certainly not psychologically affecting in the way that something you know like Silent Hill Two is, it does make me jump. The game still can make me jump, and and often that can be the screams of the Ganados or the sound of a particularly the sound of a chainsaw revving up, because you know that can be. Uh, one hit kill hmm. that's such a fantastic sound effect yeah i mean and the gun noises are great i mean you know we've probably heard technically better since in whether it be you know battlefield bad combat or something yeah. but every noise in the game serves a purpose as well all the the audio is is to give you cues because the game knows that there's a lot of a lot of times where things are going to be off screen and you need to know what's going on around you yeah i also like the fact that they're not too subtle you know like there's a good punch to gunfire Yes, a good crunch and splat as well when when things pop. Hmm. Yeah, the one scene in that game, the, the the whole of Resident Evil Four, the one moment that I really loved was when you're in the lab and you, it's when you first encounter the regenerators, and you see one hmm. lying on the on the table, 
and motionless. And you 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 know as soon as you walk in that at some point that thing's going to get up, and it's of you course, have to go yeah. into the room next to you, and then you hear it. You, you you know obviously it's triggered by you picking something up, but then you hear a thump, and it's it's all in that audio, just that one moment, and you're just like, oh crap, and it's just, <laughs> and I I think that that has always been the standout moment for me in that game where it's just it just works on so many levels, like with, with they just get the atmosphere, the tension, the anticipation, it's all spot on in that scene, and. It, it, it kind of now it makes me smile when I get there because it's like yeah cool <laughs> but <laughs> yeah at the time I was just thinking I hope I've you know do I go shotgun have I got enough ammo in my shotgun you know because it's just you just don't know how, how these because those particular those you want the uh, scope are, rifle for the yeah, generators I mean, those yeah. were just a nightmare to that's take uh, down anyway and, but. and that's you know that's a, that's fantastic both from a gameplay well from every point of view graphics mm. audio and gameplay all coming together which I, I think is probably why this game is is a classic is is it all comes together so well the that bit where a regenerator is shuffling towards you um you're looking at it through uh thermal vision mm. um and you know it's making those noises and you're desperately trying to pick out these super accurate shots josh you got anything pertinent to say about the audio are you a fan um, yeah, I just I really liked um, the sound effects for all the uh, villagers, especially mm. towards the beginning. Just hearing them communicate with each other in that um, they're speaking in Spanish, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't speak Spanish, so I can't understand a word they're saying. But it was uh, it was a nice touch um, having hearing voices from the distance and. Um, Knowing that the enemy you're about to fight is not only dangerous but intelligent. Yeah, I mean, you can pick out the odd word. I think they they basically yeah, they call you outsider and asshole quite a lot. Um, but beyond that, yes, my Spanish is is uh, I didn't do Spanish at school, so um, and I, and I, in a way, I kind of I'm quite glad that I don't understand it because it again it helps to sort of unsettle you further. Um, just the fact that you don't feel like you can communicate directly with them other than with the muzzle end of your gun. Yeah, there's that sense of alienation just from not understanding what they're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I suppose we should really tackle the gameplay, talk about the game as it plays then, as it plays now, how it relates to, to other uh, games in the series. And, uh, and yeah, perhaps we can talk a little bit about 5 and, and what next for Resi. So... Uh, it's the elephant in the room when you talk about Resident Evil gameplay, particularly this one. Um, I mentioned it earlier. You can't move and shoot at the same time. Now, apologists for the series still say, the argument still comes out every so often, well, it helps to add tension. But the counter-argument to that is Dead Space. Uh, Dead Space and Dead Space 2 um, managed to have perfectly fluid, elegant uh, twin stick control and these games you know effectively they are twin stick shooters by by uh, just from another perspective you know um and and we had those going back as far as uh well I'm, I'm thinking of bruce willis in apocalypse on the ps1 by neversoft and uh uh jet force gemini on on the n64 you know you can move and shoot in those games um why could we not move and shoot in resident evil 4 and was it essential it wasn't but um I still kind of like it. Um, playing the HD version, it took a while to get used to the um, 
the old way of doing things. I played uh, Dead Space 2, as I'm sure a couple of you guys have as well, earlier this year. Mm. Um, And I, I do agree that it adds tension, but it 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 could have it can be handled a lot better and dead space has proven that but the thing mm. is i feel like everything around the game uh, is designed around the fact that you can't move and shoot like the enemies don't just charge at you they will slowly walk towards you and then run up at you when you haven't got your gun aimed at them so while i don't think if a game now came out with uh, the inability to move and shoot, I think I damn it. But the fact that it um, Resident Evil 4, I think, designed everything around that mechanic, uh, it works in a way. It was a huge sticking point for a lot of people uh, when 5 came out, which is now you know getting on for three years ago. Um, it seemed more retrograde because in the meantime, we'd had Gears of War, Dead Space, and, uh, and various other things of that ilk. What do you think, Darren? Moving, non-moving? Do you think it would have ruined the game if you could run and shoot and at, at willy-nilly? Absolutely not. No? I mean, I think that being... It might add tension, but it also adds a certain element of awkwardness. When you're... Uh, basically, you need to move quickly, and the controls just basically work against you. Yeah, I mean, the controls as a whole are a sticking point, aren't they, by today's standards? Because yeah. there's a lot of... the, the there's, there's a choice of two options on the HD... Uh, re- re-releases um, and neither of them are massively intuitive yeah I've heard that B works better although I've only I've stuck with A because I kind of got used to it again same here yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is I mean Resident Evil 4 was a very big transitional period in these kind of games mm. um, absolutely obviously you were going from the old style to the new style so I can certainly forgive it a lot more on Resident Evil 4 but I do think that they should have implemented the moving and firing by Resident Evil 5 right and on top of that there's a lot of smart gameplay choices that were added in Resident Evil 5, like the ability to quick-select weapons, yes, and also several context-sensitive attacks, such as when someone's lying on the ground, you can stamp on them, or if you get behind them, you can usually do an instant kill. Yeah, Small things, but um, I did miss them going back to Resident Evil 4. Yeah, that's true, because it's so much about enemy management and space management, isn't it? And um, having to firstly go in and out of the inventory your attache case uh multiple times in a firefight is just weird and breaks the yeah. immersion because you're you're going oh i'll just pause the game i'll just have a little look in my case here i'm surrounded by ganados and i think i'll take the shotgun and out yeah. you come always a good choice uh, yeah i even now i haven't played the hd remake so i'm pl- my version is the gamecube and i played it with the the Wavebird controller, and in general, the, the GameCube controller is is one of the one of my least favorite controllers anyway, um, just because of the way the buttons are and the, the stick. It just always feels awkward playing anything on that thing. Um, so yeah, I kind of compounded with the the lack of movement in that. Although at the time it didn't bother me because I was used to it. I mean, the Resident Evils had always sort of had that freeze frozen shooting aspect anyway, but now it's it feels weird it felt weird in five you know and um yeah i'm not a fan if i'm honest i think it, yeah i mean that's the thing i mean it felt fine at the time because you, yeah. you weren't really used to fluid dual stick movement in those no. kind of games the third person action ones um once you get used to it it's really hard to go back 
Yeah, true enough. So, uh, Josh, back in 2005, you couldn't move. Were you happy with that situation? And, uh, and are you happy now if you play it? Um, I was happy with the situation then. Um, now, I'm okay with it, but I kind of wish I could move. Mm. You kind of get back into the swing of it, though, don't you? When you start playing again, you, you, along with a lot of games, you'll, you'll get back into sort of the mindset. But at the back you do, of your mind, you do you start still, to adapt. The only problem yeah. is that there's usually that niggling feeling at the back of your head saying, oh, I wish that we had this yeah. modern convenience Yeah, mm-hmm. and this older game now. There are some pretty mad situations where, uh, vi- I mean, visibility is hugely compromised as well. It's not just the inability to move, but it's also that if you're aiming, you've only got a small space and the camera movement isn't particularly quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking particularly like the first uh, El-, El Gigante fight, there's... You know, by the time you've run to a, to the edge of the arena, um, even if you do a quick spin to face him and then drawn your gun and face it, he's often right on top of you. Well, um, that, so that's the thing, though, isn't it? A lot of the time, you're running away from things, not as a as not as an actual mechanic. It's just so you can bloody well see them and get a clear shot on them. It's just it, it's. It, it, like you say, you need that distance. You need to be able to take it in and sort of gauge your what you're going to do and and what weapon you're going to do and where you're going to aim. And that's where it starts to feel quite awkward when you're playing it at times. Yeah, I mean, even Dead Space does take some liberties with, um, particularly in the uh, zero G sections where it does attack you with things that you can't see. So it's not something that's been completely mm. eradicated. Certainly from games which have a you know a, a 360 degree playing space yeah. as those those sections in Dead Space do. I mean, it's also you, in those situations in Dead Space you've got that uh, compromised sound, so you can't necessarily mm. tell where things are coming from which which is kind of doubly unfair in a way but um but again you know it gives you lots of health but in and- a way that that's used to its advantage as well though isn't it because that is in itself used as a device to create tension um, yeah well that comes you- back to that argument about resi 4 doesn't it it's like yeah, yeah. Well, it's tense because you know that by the time you've lumbered over to the edge of the arena especially if you're limping already um you turn around and then there's two chainsaw wielding banshees in your face yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It does create tension. But the problem is, when you actually get hit, it just feels unfair. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's, it's, a, it's a trade-off, you know? Yeah, I mean, generally the, the Ganados are decent enough to not come from out of uh, any further round than what would be your peripheral vision. Uh, and they usually tell you if they're stinking up behind you. They've got little uh, speech clips that will yes. handily tell you. Yes, the, uh, I remember, you know, the, once you get into the uh, the palace... The uh, and the monks are there with their shields and maces, and it's really you know it's it, it becomes a tough old game. Um, what I was going to say was uh, after not finishing it on the GameCube, um, partly I think I just got distracted by things, but partly I think I got put off initially by the difficulty. When I revisited the game on the Wii, um, that control method with with your your point and click shooting uh, makes the game so much easier. Uh, it's it's just insane. Um, pointing, you know, you're sort of guaranteed headshots when you want them. And it's even things like collecting the blue coins. I say collecting, I mean shooting. Um, with the standard controller, there's a lot of kind of really twitchy, annoying, niggly kind of micro-aiming to do until you see that red dot. Whereas with the Wii, you simply just hold the, uh, the giant uh, reticule over the target that you want to hit and press press the trigger um yeah that's because in the original design document leon's aim wavered realistically when he was aiming at a distant object is that true yeah i mean it's not pinpoint uh, perfect all the time you'll actually see it 
just sort of wave it around. I always assume that was me. Yeah. No, it's it's Leon. It's actually well, it's the other Leon. Yeah, it's Leon Kennedy. So actually, yeah. So the Wii not only makes it easier because it gives you a a big giant reticule that you can point like a mouse pointer, pretty much, but also because it completely eliminates that aspect. Yeah, it's as it's as steady as your hand is in the Wii version. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which certainly does, you know, it, it certainly didn't ruin it for me though in terms of tension. I'm finding. Going back to the, the the 360 version now, which obviously you don't have that option, and, and neither do you on the PS3 version. You don't have the option to use Move, which is kind of a shame. I'm, I think they could have put that in. The, you know, the the technicals are there because they've done it on the Wii. Um, so yeah, I'm finding it quite tough going. Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't played through it completely again this time. Um, having played through it four times previously, I didn't feel that I had to for the show. Uh, whereas uh, Carl, who is missing from the show, he wasn't advertised being on, but uh, he he's failed to get through it in time. Um, he didn't realise just how uh, big a game it is. It, it's a big, tough game, isn't it, fellas? It is a big, significant chunk of game, which is good. And this, the, the amazing thing about it is the combat feels fresh from start to finish, you know? It feels good enough to carry the whole game. And there's always something new. Like, every single environment is packed to Boston with new things to discover or even just... Even just treasures littered around the place that you can look for. Yeah, there's still some treasures that I've never worked out how to find, which is incredibly annoying. I'll tell you, kind of like a, a side note here, but um, the level of detail in the treasure uh, hunting was kind of surprised me because there's an early one where there's a shining object hanging atop a big barrel full of noxious shit. That's right. And if you shoot it and it drops in... It's gone you'll get a, a dirty pendant that's worth about a thousand that's pesetas. Right. Yes, yeah. If you shoot the thing, Strat. the little stick yeah. that's holding up the barrel mm. lid, it'll land on the rim of the barrel and it'll be worth 10,000. Exactly. And it'll still be pristine. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the, I really enjoy that whole, um, the, the item collecting mechanic throughout the whole game is, is great, even though it, it's kind of... Uh, old-fashioned in that you, you have to rush up to a glowing item on a four, press a button, then confirm the fact that you want to pick it up. It's all very quick. Uh, you don't have to wait ages like you did in previous games for the kind of the yeah. view of the item that you're picking to spin into view. Um, but things like, yes, you, you can find some items early on like the Beerstein and the Elegant Mask, which you want to hold on to for quite a significant chunk of the game and uh, combine with other items that you find to make them worth more than the sum of their parts. So, but the, but the point you really need it towards the end of the game, uh, you can uh, pay to power up your Magnum or buy a rocket launcher or whatever. Um, yeah, other uh, another sort of mad thing about the game design that shows that, that with, uh, with this production particularly, um, Mikami was more concerned about the game than the the rationale is the uh, shooting gallery in the middle of hmm. um, in the middle of the uh, the enemy uh, the mansion whatever it is palace. Uh, Come on, man! Every would-be tyrant needs one of them <laughs> in his uh, place of residence. <laughs> but better, yeah, better than the fact that there's a, a shooting gallery, which again on the Wii version was uh, insanely easy um, by comparison, where you didn't have to aim with a, with the, with the stick and the left stick at that, which is counterintuitive. Uh, you win collectible talking action figures of all the characters in the game. How brilliant. See, I've never done that. I'll have to really? go back and do that, but yeah, it's, it's superb. Um, there's like four rows of collectible figures. I believe they're like mm. the sort of bottle cap things that you get in Japan sometimes where they put like a figure on the top of a, of a drink. 
Um, but these yeah. ones, uh, these ones have a each have a speech sample, and there's yeah, there's one of kind of every significant oh, character. No, in it. See, I have to review my 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 GameCube save because uh, that rings a bell now. I can't uh, just yeah. I'm surprised you. I'm surprised. I'd be surprised if you hadn't done it. It's kind of. It's pretty much there. It's. 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 Um, there's a room in the palace where uh, at some point you go in, and uh, a lot of the cult are all kind of standing around. Um, they about to sacrifice somebody or something like that, or they just have sacrificed someone. Um, and uh, you can get quite a lot of items there if you uh, if you chuck a grenade in the middle of them. Um, and just off that room, there's a there's a door. You wander in, and it's kind of you know it's got a sort of uh, it, it, the stall is, of course, uh, run by uh, run by the shopkeeper, who also exists on the, mm. the very in the very same room upstairs. Um, and the first time I ever saw him, uh, a uh, a Ganado uh, a monk leapt out at me, and I shot them both away with the shotgun, and that was the end of uh, that shopkeeper for the rest of the game. He never comes back. Which again, really. Oh, you know, well, would you come back if you just sh- got shot in the face with a shotgun? This is a very good point. Can you take them all out? Can you shoot every shopkeeper in the game and not have any shot? Yes, you can. Right? Have you done that? You sound like <laughs> you speak from experience. <laughs> no, I'm not a psychopath. Uh, I like my guy. I, I like my shopkeeper chum. You know, I would never do a thing like that. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> it was a mistake. It was an accident. Uh, yeah, yeah. So away from collecting things and and fun fairs and the fact that you can't move and shoot. Why? Why is Biohazard Four, Resident Evil Four, so damn fun? Can we distill it? Why? Why is it? Why was it so well reviewed at the time? And and why is even the re-release of this six-year-old game getting such plaudits? I think it possibly might have to do with the fact that half the game is an escort quest. We just love escort quests. That's, you're being massively ironic, aren't you? I am, but it's something that we haven't touched upon. That's a very good. It's a very good thing to touch upon because, yeah. I despise escort quests. The thing is, she is designed brilliantly. Like mm. the entire Ashley escort uh, section of the game. It's very rarely annoying. It's, it seems to have been designed perfectly for your abilities and what the enemies are doing to you. When she gets picked up, it's genuinely alarming. And, uh, and I'd forgotten how many different ways, incidentally, there are to get game over in this game. Um, the, uh, there are some hit secret hidden ones, such as uh, famously, uh, and there's an achievement or a trophy for this, uh, shooting the lake uh, before you tackle the, the lake boss. Um, there's also uh, shooting Ashley while she's being carried. There's also uh, shooting uh, Lewis too many times in the uh, in the Straw Dogs inspired um, barn uh, standoff, which is amazing. I totally forgotten about that because, like, for a while he's just going, "Ah, God damn it!" You know, what's your own Leon? And then suddenly you cut, and then you get a nice little cutscene of him coldly executing you. He does. You. He, he cuts you down in cold blood. Um, so yes, the escort thing. So uh, you have wait and follow me is uh, basically your two options. Oh, and Hide. So thought Yeah, which is my favourite yes. because it's basically get in the bin. Get in the fucking bin. Stay. Stay in your bin. Stay get in your box and stay there and don't come out. Until you've learned. Uh, yeah. Um which is why it's so troublesome when those options are taken away on those me- the sections I mentioned earlier, where Ashley is totally at the mercy of large groups of um armed and shielded uh Ganados who will just cart her off. Um, yeah, the part that you were talking about earlier, was that the section where you have got a sniper rifle? Mm. Yes. And she's chained to the wall? Yes. 
That was a clever part. I never actually knew what the hell you had to do the very first time I got there. Oh, it, it, you have to shoot a manacles to you or something like that? Yeah, yeah you yeah. do. Um, I was actually trying to kill the guys. Uh, well, and you, uh, that was one of my... Yeah, you have to do that as well. Because even, what, because even once she's out, yeah. she's, she's vulnerable. She's got stuff to do, hasn't she? Um, but yes, it, it is very true. Um, does it, Is anyone a fan of escort quests in any game normally? I mean, I don't know anyone. I know that a lot of people really despise escort quests. Um, to me, it really depends on the game. But the worst, the worst thing that you can possibly do is something that Resident Evil 4 completely sidestepped, mm. which is to have them be utterly brainless and prone to dying at the drop of a hat. Yeah. She is vulnerable, but if she gets killed, it's usually your fault. Yeah. Uh, and you In fact, can... it's nearly always your fault. Yes, and plus you share uh, items with her, um, and you can even um, use the yellow herbs, as you can on yourself, to extend your life bar, and you can do that to her, so if you want to give her a greater chance of getting away. Um, but equally, you know, she is vulnerable. Uh, there's, there's the uh, section of the game... Um, which I guess you would just call two paths, which is where you have an option of paths. And of course, if you want all the treasure, you take both one after the other. Uh, there's one path which involves two chainsaw wielding women um, and several Heidi bins. There's another path, which is uh, the second gigante in the game. And um, I don't, is there, is there one place for her to hide? I'm not sure that there is. And, um, no, there isn't. Um, no, no and, and she can pretty much be, at that point, you won't have had her long enough or enough yellow herbs to have done anything to significantly protect her from being crushed to death by El Gigante. Um, so you've got the option to fight uh, El Gigante, or you can bust your way through to the end as quickly as possible, uh, or you can try and rush through and collect the items and avoid him, or you can try and take him out. Uh, that's kind of ability to play even within this uh, survival horror environment is something that's key throughout and 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 it does get to the point where on new game plus on your umpteenth playthrough where you're using the uh, chicago typewriter machine gun possibly the most overpowered weapon in gaming yeah and uh, and wearing a gangster uh, suit that you're just pretty much uh, you know the power balance has been completely overturned in the favor of the player after your first tentative scary playthroughs, you're now Lord and Master of all the Ganados and um, or the Infinite Rocket Launcher, Jay, you were talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's a staple of the Resi series, isn't it? But, um, Makes yeah, those bosses, just, boss encounters a little uh, more palatable. Yeah, I'm all for that. I mean, I, I do like... It, it's another thing that has always sort of kept me playing the Resident Evils is all these sort of extras that and and the reason it gives you a real reason to go back and play it again as well you know there's there's always lots to unlock with these games um you know it, it, it's i remember playing two many many times just so i got the um the, the, the gatling gun and so i could then just steamroll that was a tough one to get Oh God, was it? But you, once you got it, the ability just to steamroll everything else in the game—it was just awesome. It's a real <laughs> release, know? isn't it? After in, oh, yeah. in, a, in a survival horror game, after all that tension, even if you're not somebody like I know Darren, you're not somebody who generally finds games scary as such. Even if the gameplay experience is just tense because you're the weakling, you're the underpowered person to go back in and just march through those areas, just 
blasting the shit out of everything oh, is, yeah. is undoubtedly cathartic. There's something quite there's something quite rewarding about going up to a regenerator and going, regenerate this <laughs> with the rocket launcher, you know, it's just um nice. <laughs> So yeah, on top of this uh, epic and uh, demanding 12 to 16 hour experience, shall we say? I'd say about that, yes. About that. Um, there's also uh, replay value. Un- uh, you've got an extra difficulty level to unlock, which is called Professional, I think. Your favourite, Darren? Uh, yeah, the only problem is by the time that you unlock that, you're, uh, you, you are the man, basically. Yeah. Could you, actually, could you actually play Professional with your old gear? Uh, or does it uh, start you off uh, as, as new? Well, you could sell everything. Yeah, you could do. I'm just wondering if it forces you to start from the start again or not. I've forgotten that. I'm not actually sure, but yeah, you could pretty much just flog everything and try and get as much money together as possible, I guess. Uh, no. Uh, then you've got uh, some more, un- you've got some costumes to unlock in the traditional fashion. Um, but including a suit of armor for Ashley, so she never gets killed again. That's brilliant, and they can't carry her off because uh, she weighs them down, which is just yeah, she's way too heavy. That is, yeah, that's a real relief playing through with that one. It's fantastic. Um, you also can unlock, uh, and I believe all these. Uh, the original GameCube release didn't have all this. Um, the PS2 version had uh, Assignment Ada. Is that right? And separate Wiz was the name of the. Separate ways. Oh, I was assigned Aid in the exclusive. I'm not sure. Um, there's separate ways and uh, the mercenaries. I guess mercenaries was in GameCube as well version. Yeah. Uh, if anyone can remember, I'm not sure. So uh, separate ways is uh, is a sizable chunk of game in itself. Yeah, and it gives you a brand new playable card to run around with. Uh, Ada Wong, who was uh, first seen in Resi Two, I believe. Yeah, she uh, came in with Leon, and she's keeping him company this time as well. And we never actually mentioned it, but she pops up throughout the game at key moments. Yeah, after the f- she she doesn't appear for the first sort of... Oh no, she does appear quite early on, doesn't there, she? There's actually a very hidden scene, whereas the first time that you meet with the village chief, yes. and he's got you by the throat, That's right. and uh, warns you off, if you go back into that room, basically he decides to kill you instead. That's right. And Ada puts a bullet in him. Yes, uh, in his back, as I recall. Several bullets, I believe, but he's still okay, and then he chases out yeah. instead of finishing you That's off. That's right, and and of course later on in in the in the normal game, you you find out why he's quite so tough because he's he's again somebody who's had a, a particular reaction to this uh, this uh, this parasite that they've been injected with, um, and makes him a certain kind of way. Uh, so yeah, separate ways. Um, you play as Ada. I remember I've only played it through once, so um, I did I did finish it. Um, it had a few little little bits and bobs. There was a there was a there was a ship. I recall. Uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the little chapters. Um, like it starts off, and you've got to uh, ring the church bell. It's actually how that does that at the start of the game. Ah, yes, that's right. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a guide in, isn't it? It's it's a little chunk. Of yeah, it's it's run uh, parallel to the events in the main uh, campaign, which is very cool. Um, which is something that they obviously expanded upon in five, in that you can actually play uh, co-op, which wasn't an option on the GameCube, um, either split screen or uh, online. Obviously, the uh, infrastructure being what it was then. Um, a worthwhile extra, and I believe it does appear in in the uh, in the uh, the downloadable versions, the new HD versions. Um, um, I was slightly frightened that they would uh, ask for um, DLC microtransactions for that, but they didn't. 
And then there's a mercenaries. Now, I think this mode actually is brilliant, but I think it works better in five because of the... Five is the ultimate evolution of it. Not the ultimate evolution, but it just it's come on by leaps and bounds. Yeah, because for a number of mode. reasons, you've got the extra combat options plus online leaderboards. And there, there's your... And you can do it co-op. And you can do it co-op. Co-op is a massive thing in that. Yeah. So, uh, but this is where the mercenaries started out. I mean, Resident Evil uh, series going back often had extra modes and extra characters. Even Resident Evil 2 had uh, Hunk and uh, Tofu. All I'll say about the mercenaries mode is that it feels like um, like uh, that is the earliest version of what would become Horde mode in Gears of War 2. Yeah, very true. Um, um, and I, I really enjoyed mercenaries mode, but that that got a bit frustrating because they um whereas the main campaign is a very controlled experience uh mercenaries felt like the controls couldn't handle for me personally the controls couldn't handle that many enemies in mm. one go and i just found it quite a frustrating experience instead of a fun one yeah, yeah i'm going to i'm going to agree with that because um i think i attempted mercenaries on the gamecube once and never again. And I've never been a fan of it in 5 either. Yeah, I mean, it was really enjoyable in 5, but in 4, the only reason that I actually played it was to get my hands on the hand cannon. Right. Uh, you see, I didn't I didn't enjoy it in 5. I, I kind of just, uh, even if it's co-op, I mean, apart from the fact you, it was a social thing, you, you're chatting away while you're doing it, I just... I, it, it, I like the campaigns. I like the story. You know, I say I like the story for for what it is, but... Um, you it need just that seems in there. You need, you, yeah, it's like, I, it just felt a little pointless, to be honest. Um, and for me, it always has felt a little unnecessary within the series. It's a uh, it's a score attack, though, isn't it? And you know, yeah, if, and that if it doesn't interest that, me. Yeah, if, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's one of those things. Whereas I, I really enjoy it. Like I know that um, you know, I, uh, quite a few people uh, make it their mission to S rank every single uh, stage of mm. mercenaries, of which there are many. So there we have it. That's kind of the full gamut of the Resident Evil 4 experience. Um, so I guess it remains for us to say, uh, do we think it's any good? Is it, uh, is, it, is it a sacred cow that we are going to slaughter or not? Does it stand up? Um, Josh? Um, I think it does stand up, but it, it depends on how, much willing, uh, how willing you are to forgive some relics of the past uh, in terms of its design. Um, but in terms of pacing, in terms of um, level design, and in terms of atmosphere, it's a game that's really hard to match. Um, I, I think it is deserving of the reputation it has, and I think it's still a great game. Well said. Jake? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got fond memories of, of all the Resident Evil series, you know, and I kind of, I will always sort of, have a, a real interest in, in whatever game comes next. I mean, they have announced a six, haven't they? So, yeah. Um, and there's still games that I can go back and play again, you know? It's, it, it hasn't, you know, the, the earlier games, perhaps one, two, and three, have, have, have sort of aged the, the worst in terms of visuals. But, you know, there's still, there are still moments you still want to go back and, and see again, so... In some ways, uh, Resident Evil Zero would be an interesting one to talk about sometime because although it was in many ways uh, closer to the, the earlier games in the series, it also 
introduced some features the 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 fact that item boxes were gone and it had the character zapping as it, they called it yeah but it's strange with that particular game because out of all I, I i consider it to be one of the core games maybe just simply because it uses a number you know um but it's the one I've played the least, and it's the one that I got on with the least. Really, I think maybe in part, yeah, maybe in part because the story kind of it it, it went off on a real tangent with the with the villain and and the slug things, and 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 it was the character zapping I found quite frustrating at times mm. to, within the sort of within the gameplay. Um, but yeah, yeah it's it was another I've... kind of retrofitted sequel, wasn't it? In that mm. it it uh, a prequel rather in that proposed to set up the story for the original Resident Evil 1 yeah. and and remake but in fact it made up a whole load of its own stuff uh for gameplay purposes so once again you're in that situation where uh the game is uh, the story is being designed around the game rather than yeah. vice versa which you know arguably as as a, as a ludologist and as somebody who likes things like score attack modes and unlockable extras is fine but you as somebody who's more motivated by narrative and uh, shooting things along the way is just kind of a fun <laughs> sort yeah. of a, but a fun thing that's kind of, uh, I would more like of an issue. to see yeah I'd like to see sort of Rebecca Chambers come back in in the next um Resi game you know it's just it, you kind of get to know I won't say you get to know them that well in in the characters but they've become quite you've warmed to them within the sort of the fiction of Resident Evil and you want to see their progression. You get, you get in a sense of that to some degree with the, with the games as they go. But I mean, you know, not like you said, it ain't Shakespeare, is it? But no, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I think that Claire Redfield's definitely long overdue a reappearance. Mm. I mean, the thing is you do like the cartels, you know, they're likable, even though they're not particularly deep. Hmm. Yeah, this is true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess the reason that we've had re-releases of of these games is simply because it's uh, it's quite a cheap and easy way of uh, for Capcom to make money, and they're the games that you can re-release. As in, you know, you can upscale Polygon assets and and put them out there again. But um, for me personally, it's uh, it's awesome having a copy of Resident Evil Four just sitting on my Xbox 360's hard drive just to to play whenever I want, don't have to um, boot up a previous gen console or, or even the Wii uh, and uh, 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 to play it. And uh, it's got, you know, it's got some of those, um, those sort of features that you like about modern games. Uh, you know, they're fairly rudimentary leaderboards and stuff like that. But overall, I, I still absolutely adore this game. I think it's, you can't, it's very hard to deny that the, the, the stationary, uh, shooting aspect is is not of its time and it can be frustrating definitely but I think everything else like Josh said the atmosphere the pacing the level design mm. the environments the monster design it's all so brilliant it's uh, I think it still stands up as a masterpiece in, in well, every you, other you sense kind of, you kind of know that it, it was because 5 is it just borrows so heavily from everything they did on 4 you know, it borrows um, various mechanics when you're fighting the monsters, such as tip in the in four you you tip over the um, was it liquid, liquid hydrogen or liquid uh, nitrogen containers to freeze the enemies. Mm. Whereas in five, you're knocking down the flammable ones to to burn them. And it, you know, and then in many ways, five just felt like it was reiterating too much of uh, four in terms of set pieces and 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 the way you know just things that were going on and. I think that 5 might play better than 4 in a lot of ways. 
what in terms of mechanics or Resident Evil 5's mechanics are better hmm. but the entire surrounding shell is nowhere near as good the script isn't as enjoyable the, yeah uh, um, the entire scenario is largely charmless um, none of the individual levels feel that interesting you know like if you when I boot up Resident Evil 5 and I look at all these levels hmm. there's no one that stands out as a section that I would like to revisit I like Chris Redfield I like Chev Alomar um, the characters are fine, but the script is pathetic, mm. and it's just, it doesn't seem to have anywhere near the love or talent that was put into Resident Evil 4. Harsh words, but possibly fair. So, um, briefly, uh, if you can sum up in like a sentence or two, what form do you see uh, each of you see uh, Resident Evil 6 taking in relation to the last games in the series, what's gone before, and and where we are at now in terms of uh, you know the gaming market and what what gamers expect. Uh, Jay, um, a more co-op, more messy scripting. I would have thought. <laughs> but, uh, what would you like to see gameplay-wise? Would Would you like to see um, another extension I'd of like to... five or or a return to something older? Or, or... well, uh, you know, in, in all honesty, I don't care what they do, as long as Albert Wesker does not make an appearance. If Wesker in any way, shape or form makes an appearance <laughs> in six, I will not play that game because I found him to be, his character is done as far as I'm concerned. And if they can't... What if it's just a photo of Albert Wesker on a desk? I, I can live with that. I can live with that as long as he doesn't talk <laughs> in any way. Or does a, You know, I could even, I guess, even stretch to a flashback. But if they go further than that, say a clone or his brother, or whatever, I'm done. I'm seriously... What if his decapitated head is lying on a desk? Yeah, or somebody like caught, got his thumb and has cloned him from a burnt thumb they found on the <laughs> side, oh God, of, yeah, side of, of the... I was just thinking, well, you know, we saw him melt into a into a pool of lava and whatever, but hey, since when did that stop people coming back from, uh, yeah, exactly. from death? You know, Ripley's done it. Because uh, who has done it? Yeah. Josh, where, what, what would you like to see? What do you expect to see from Resi 6 or whatever the next game in the series is going to be called? Um, I think Capcom are very aware of how uh, people perceive Resident Evil 5 and, um, and they're probably looking at what their competition is doing, like Dead Space. So I imagine any Resident Evil going forward is not going to quite control the same as we've, um, we've come to be familiar with. I think they're going to look at what Dead Space is doing and maybe try and make it more action orientated than it already has gone. But I, I'm not sure what they can really do because I feel like at, at the moment they've kind of been um, defroned by other franchises. And in many ways, I think Resident Evil might, it might be worth just taking a break. Mm. Well, I think in some, uh, what bothers me, I mean, you, you're right, they're probably, they are no doubt looking at things like Dead Space, but what have bothered me about the series is if they went bigger and bigger, you know, and went for more epic stuff. Well, I think what they need to do is go smaller and tighter and make it more of a claustrophobic thing again, get it back to maybe concentrate more on atmosphere than, than sort of action set pieces. Is survival horror a genre that's kind of had its had, had its best days? I'm not saying that we're not, you know, obviously we're still getting games that are set, uh, you know, and have horror in them, such as mm. Dead Space. But Dead Space is more of an action game than it is survival horror. You know, it's, but it captures its atmosphere in that game is to me it, it, it surpasses anything that Resi's done. Um, 
just in terms of of, of the, the the keeping it as a constant, not just like one or two moments. It's, it's throughout the whole game. It just it just nails it on so many levels. Sure, that, uh, and and we, we'll do a dead space uh, hmm. show definitely in the future. Um, so, Darren, can you imagine a situation where? Uh, I mean, a few years ago, it was fairly unthinkable that Capcom would have been handing over. The, the, the reins of some of their big franchises to Western developers to, to do them better or more accessibly for, for the console market now. Can you imagine, after we've seen Dead Rising and, and Devil May Cry and, and, uh, and uh, other companies have done it as well, Namco and, and people, can you imagine them handing the reins of the family jewels of Resident Evil over to a Western developer? You know, even, you know, could they team up with Visceral and, and get Visceral to make Resident Evil 6 as, you know, something like that? I think that could be fantastic, although Capcom seems to have been burnt on some of their franchises. Yes. Um, like, um, I know that they were big on outsourcing away, like, just even a few short years ago, but then you got stuff like Dark Void, which I actually kind of enjoyed, but it was a commercial flop, and there was... I don't think they were really getting back the quality that they expected from outsourcing their, uh, their pet projects. Um, another thing is that they've said... They're intent on getting more Resident Evil titles out um, and an an effort to generate profit. And the next Resident Evil is apparently going to be another reboot. Okay, so we've got got, uh, Operation Raccoon City coming next, which is one of the sort of many spin-off games. Um, Is that outsourced, by the way? uh, Operation Raccoon City is by uh, Slant 6 Games. I have no idea. Yeah, I thought that was an, 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 uh, an in-house title. Uh, it's another Canadian uh, production. Um, this is a team, apparently, who have uh, previously worked on SOCOM games for PSP uh, and PS3. So uh, I think it's, it's definitely more of a, a shooter. Yeah, I think if they're going for shooters, they will outsource them to Western yeah. development houses. I mean, there's been any number of games over the years. There's the Outbreak series, wasn't there? Um, we had the well, light they, gun they ones. They throttled the Outbreak series over in. I mean, I'd, was it the West? Or was it only Japan that got the um, the online, or was it uh, Japan yeah, and we America? Got, that's right. We got Outbreak over here, but it didn't have online, which rendered it which yeah utterly pointless. That's pointless. pointless. But then apparently it wasn't great. The online version, anyway. Um, We've had various on-rails shooters, the Gun Survivor series, the Umbrella Chronicles and the Dark Side Chronicles. Uh, obviously, it still remains a cash cow to the point, you know, these, I, I, you know, I have no idea how well these downloads are doing but financially, but I imagine Resident Evil 4 will ship, you know, get quite a few downloads and make a few quid compared to how much money it costs them to, to uh, up-res the assets and put the different controller button graphics in and stuff like that. Um Beyond that, I don't know. Uh, what would what would you like to see, Darren, uh, from Resi Six? Hmm, good question. Um, to be honest, I think the, the the controls for your character need to be improved. Old survival horror games where uh, a lot of the tension came from not being able to react in time. Mm-hmm. I don't think audiences nowadays would be willing to put up with that. Um, I'm not sh- possibly having enemies swarm you or even. If they can just nail that atmosphere, like this um, this feeling of being up against all these undead enemies or even alive enemies, preferably ones that don't shoot at you, like in Resident Evil Five. Yeah, that kind of that was a bit of a junk the shark, jump junk the shark, uh, jump the shark yeah. moment um, when you're effectively fighting 
soldiers with guns. Uh, and, and Yeah, when you stop taking cover. Yeah, and they introduce a cover system and it was all a bit kind of half-assed. It was like, um, you know, Gears of War series is obviously hugely influenced by Resi 4. Um, and then they've kind of taken the influence back and uh, and just not, whereas Gears of War did some good things with it. Um, Resi 5 didn't didn't do a lot yeah. with its with its Gears of War influences. Um, how about, can you imagine a game, any of you, where uh, they not so much take it back to its roots in in one sense but in a in another sense um piggyback off the success of demon souls and dark souls and go for a very very hardcore survival experience almost make it like a you know this the, that kind of level of item management and careful gameplay preparation where you know like it rather than going into rooms all guns blazing you have to think about every single zombie encounter like i believe the opening stages of dead island are meant to be a little like that to be honest i don't think they would take that chance of alienating in their core audience now because resident evil is just it's too mainstream mm. um whereas demon souls and dark souls have very dedicated fan bases. They're still quite niche. They're crossing over, though, aren't they? Because because the plaudits are such critically and and uh, word of mouth, Twitter and that 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 a lot of people are buying into Dark Souls, um, which is out now as we speak, pretty much. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. But I'd like to see the sales figures in Dark Souls and the general reception from uh, people that aren't really into it. I mean, there's a lot of people that are interested in it before they play it. Yes. And I'm wondering how many of them are just going to say, this is not for it's me. There's going to be a lot of copies traded in, aren't there? Uh, I hope not, because it is a fantastic game. I'm sure, but there will be. Uh, there abs- yeah. absolutely will be. Same you know, same has happened before with uh, even you know, famous examples yeah. like Final Fantasy That's- VII, where it got so much buzz and hype that a lot of people who would normally be playing you know, a, 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 an other shooter went out and bought Final Fantasy VII, and they're like, what the fuck is this shit? You just press X a lot and random stuff happens and yeah uh, yeah anecdotally the most traded in game of all time or at least it, it was well I suspect that's actually probably FIFA or something but uh, one of the many um, so there we have it right well as you heard today uh, for the first time um, and we've had a few in um, but we could only fit the one in today there'll be more in future uh, we want your voice on the show via voicemail or, or another uh, form of mp3 if you go to our homepage canandrince.com um, as well as being able to read some articles and stuff you'll also find a Skype link if you click on that we did have a technical bug a gremlin but it's now sorted if you click on that um, it's not actually um, oh. I, what, yeah <laughs> I, no I need to address this see there's, there seems to be a problem with Skype saving um, the privacy settings so until this has been addressed and I, you know I've written um, a message to Skype support forum on this, but it seems that basically the easiest way around this is if you want to send us a message, then just send us a contact request first. I guarantee I will accept this w- at least within a few hours of you sending it because it sends me an email telling me you've sent it. So I'll know straight away. Um, and then you can send the message without any problem whatsoever. It will go straight through to voicemail, but you have to be on our contact list. Right. Okay. So uh, you need to add, uh, it's the Kane and Rince podcast, isn't it? If you search, for, I mean, mm. I'm sure if you search for Kane and Rince, it's Well, the link the will take you there, but you have to, it will basically ask you, you'll need to send us a link. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. So bear in mind, um, forthcoming topics. Obviously, if you want to comment, 
uh, on things we've already covered, God of War 3 and Resident Evil 4, then please do that. We can revisit them. Um, but forthcoming shows include the fiction and history of Assassin's Creed and uh, discussion on the game Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Uh, we're doing an Eco and Shadow of the Colossus show in two weeks after that. It'll be Gears of War 3, single and multiplayer. And then after that, hopefully, um, we've had a slight reshuffle. Hopefully, we'll be doing Child of Eden, uh, Res, and all things Q Entertainment. You can follow us on Twitter at Rince. That's A N D, not an ampersand. Ampersand. Uh, you can email us at canarince at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, once we get to 100 likes, I think we, I think that is when we get our own um, address, which will just be Facebook slash Rince rather than that with a big number after it. So um, please, please like us there. Uh, Rince is part of the Character Select Network. Uh, come and join in the discussion about everything we've talked about and more at characterselectnet slash forum. Uh, obviously, this being a podcast and all, um, you can either listen to it on the uh, Kane and Rince homepage or you can download it from there or you can subscribe via iTunes, which is awesome, especially if you add a review and or a rating. All very welcome. So it just leaves for me to thank uh, Josh Garrity. He's been a bit quiet and nervous, but he's done a fine job when he's chipped in. You come back now. <laughs> okay. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, Jay Taylor, uh, last minute substitute. Yeah, I think it'll show as well. <laughs> okay. Um, but a uh, huge thanks again to uh, the rolling R's of uh, Darren Gimley Foreman. Uh, thanks for every- listening, everybody. I will leave you in the capable hands of Tony Atkins next week. Uh, for the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood show, simply because I haven't played it. So uh, I'll be back in two weeks' time. See you then.